Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay, and I'm joined back again by Eric Stearns, my regular podcast co-host. Uh, glad to have you back, Eric. I'm um, just glad to be together. Uh, thanks for joining us for this episode. Today we're talking about my message from Sunday, which was all about fulfillment. Where do we find fulfillment in our lives, and how does Jesus give us part of our answer in his life of service? So let's get into it. Sounds good. When you, I feel like for me anyway, when I graduated college, Mm-hmm. My number one goal when I found a job was to make money. Sure. And the more I work, the more I realize it's that's so secondary to the real purpose of your life. Mm. Is not it's to it's to do something that will make the world around us better. Yeah. And I think that I mean I I believe that more and more all the time. Mm. Mm-hmm. That money will come and go and. Or, you know, the, the material possession stuff will come and go. But yeah. how we treat others and, and what our job does for others mm-hmm. will make way more of a lasting imprint. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the Bible study I've been doing right now, with, it was kind of along these same lines around purpose and, you know, uh, the the goal of, of life and, and finding that fulfillment and, you know, we just had a, had a member go from an acreage to an apartment and majorly downsize, and she was just saying how eye-opening that was for her to, like, realize how little stuff matters. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, it was the best, the best thing that she, she says it was the best thing that she ever did was to get just get rid of everything. I mean, within reason, you mm-hmm. know, but to get rid of a lot of excess stuff that she just didn't need anymore, didn't need to carry, didn't need to you know, deal with is just gone and she hasn't missed a thing. And so often we do think that our lives are about accumulation and wealth and, you know, the things that wealth can buy, money and toys and, you know, all those wonderful things that we like to have. And like those aren't bad things to want, but also they cannot, like we talked about a number of times, they cannot be the defining factor of your life. Mm-hmm. And so many of us are tempted to make it that way. Right. It can't be who you serve. Yes. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. Yep, definitely. It's kind of the whole premise of a sermon series a while back. But yeah, kind of was. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a good reminder of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yep. I think especially because we're in this season of Lent asking, I mean, I hope we're asking good questions. I feel like they're good questions. I feel like they're questions that are worth wrestling with and, you know, digging into and really chewing on. And, you know, as we look especially at the end of Lent and look to the cross, look to what we're about to go through with Jesus, like, what is the purpose of my life? Like, Jesus put the purpose of his life on full display for us in a lot of different instances, but most clearly on the cross. Mm-hmm. So what is the purpose of my life? Why, why do I do what I do? Even if we could just do a fraction of what Jesus did. Right. That'd be, that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the washing of feet. Sure. Why did he, like, let's walk through that a little bit again. You did it on Sunday. I think we can review that again. Uh-huh, why definitely. did he do that? Right. Um, so in that day and age, roads, obviously, 
uh, were very dirty. Uh, life was very dirty, very dusty. Uh, one of the things, one of the realities of that world is that they, a human people, would share the road with livestock. And while livestock are wonderful, they're maybe not the cleanest thing in the world. Um, and so they, when they got to go, they got to go. And right on the road is the perfect spot for them, mm-hmm. not for us. But when all you have is a leather sandal and maybe some string to protect your feet from the road conditions, feet were disgusting. Feet still, to me, are disgusting, but feet <laughs> were disgusting. And so as a sign of hospitality, when you had people over, there was someone who was designated to be the foot washer. Really? And it was not a glamour job. Like I said on Sunday, every commentary that I pointed out said that even Jews that own slaves would not make their Jewish slaves wash feet because it was such a degrading task, they would reserve it for the Gentiles. Like non-Jewish people were good enough to wash feet. Hmm. And that's about it. In the absence of a Gentile, a Jewish slave would have to. In the absence of a Jewish slave, like if a parent and a child were walking together and they came to somewhere, it would be the child's job to wash the feet. Or a rabbi and disciples, it would be the disciples' job to wash the feet. It is not the job for the highest ranking person in the group. Mm -hmm. That's why it is so baffling to Peter and others that Jesus would do this. Like there was no plan. Like Jesus had like, so before this, Jesus sends a few disciples ahead to make preparations for the Passover in the upper room. Part of that would have been picking out who was supposed to be the foot washer. Really? Yes. That should have been a prescribed role. But, I mean, among the disciples, they have these, you know, we, we talked about on Sunday, we, they have these fights amongst themselves about greatness. None of the disciples are mature enough to do that job. Mm-hmm. None of them would want to endure that type of a shame. And I feel like Jesus knew this, and Jesus knew what he was doing every step of the way. And Jesus takes on the role of the servant. I just feel, and this could be just me on a, on a branch theologically or about the Bible, I just feel like there was such an apprehension among the disciples. Like, who's going to do it? Mm-hmm. Who's going to do it? Like, we're in the whole group, like, when you ask for a volunteer to pray, everyone's like, oh, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? If they we all say, look at the table? Exactly. Mm-hmm. If we say nothing long enough, maybe he'll just do it. And then he did. Then Jesus did. Jesus mm-hmm. got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and out of hospitality and out of care for his disciples, he washed their feet. Peter, obviously, being Peter, objects and says, you know, you're not, you're not doing this, Jesus. Like, we know who you are. You're not doing this. And Jesus says, if I don't do this, you have no share with me. You don't say, you, if, I don't, if I don't become a servant to you, you cannot become a servant to me. You can't become a servant to others. This has to happen. Mm-hmm. And so though Peter says, well, then fine. If you're going to wash my feet, wash everything. Take everything, Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, we're, we're good, you know, but. And then he gets up and he says, do you know what I've done for you? And like part of that, like I said on Sunday, part of that is redefining the relationship, but part of it also is the model. 
mm-hmm. the model for serving one another that Jesus is giving now to his disciples. Because as we learned at the start of the scripture, Jesus knows that his hour has come. Jesus knows that there's no way out of this. He's still going to try in the garden and pray out of it. But Jesus knows that his hour has come to glorify God by going to the cross. Mm-hmm. And so he knows that this is one of his last chances to prepare the disciples for what's about to happen and ensure that the Jesus movement goes on beyond Jesus' death. Because the disciples, when after Jesus died, the disciples, they did try to go back to their, to their normal lives. Mm-hmm. But Jesus had bigger purposes for every single one of them, this role of servant. So that's why, I mean, that's the, the practical why and also the spiritual why of, of why Jesus would wash their feet. Right. Yeah. I mean, Jesus is just showing us that we need to be willing to do the crappy jobs. Yeah. Whatever is called for us to do, mm-hmm. we need to be willing to do it. And, and really, I mean, to, to take this into a today application yeah. in anything we do, mm-hmm. there are things that just need to be done and we need to be willing in order for whatever greater thing that we're working towards, Yep, we need to be willing to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I had a friend of mine take a job at... Um, Storm Mountain, um, and she ended up scrubbing toilets for Jesus because, like, that was what was required of her in the position sure. that she was in. Like, she, I mean, it wasn't glamorous. It wasn't what she had intended. She had intended to do more ministry-type stuff, mm-hmm. but the toilets needed to get scrubbed. So one way or another, the toilets got scrubbed. Sure. You know, and that's just, that's part of who we are. That's part of, that's that ha- that has to be a part of our, not just clergy, has to be a part of our identity and a part of our DNA is that just we know what it means to take on the role of the servant, to do the crappy jobs, and to do them to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. There was a piece that you you and I were talking pre-podcast yeah. about what you, there was a piece that you had cut. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So I, like I, I texted Eric right away on Sunday and said, I inadvertently te- I cut this out. Because we like, needed content, Clay. It's fine. Well, yes. <laughs> but in the course of the sermon on Sunday, I wanted to talk about the depth of service that Jesus was striking with every single one of his disciples. The disciples had literally nothing, no leg to stand on as to why they couldn't be the one washing feet. Because Jesus became a servant to them in the depth of what they were about to do. It just makes, it makes Jesus becoming a servant feel so much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Jesus washed the feet of the disciple that was about to betray him. At this point, Judas had not left the assembly. Judas was still there. Mm-hmm. Jesus washed his feet and still welcomed him to the table of communion. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples that were about to fall asleep hours later in the garden. As Jesus is praying and pouring out his heart to God, the disciples are supposed to be watching and praying with him, but they fall asleep. Jesus still became a servant to them. After Jesus was arrested, the disciples all scattered. Jesus washed their feet, became a servant to them. Peter you know, was about to deny Jesus. Jesus still washed his feet. After the resurrection, Thomas was about to doubt. Jesus washed his feet. Every single disciple had a reason as to why it made no sense for Jesus to become a servant to them. But yet Jesus still did. 
And I just find that so fascinating and so impactful when I think about my own life or all the ways that I screw up, Jesus would still wash my feet. And so even as I go through, the, through my life and, and my life in ministry, there are people I disagree with. And there are people that, you know, say they're going to do something and then don't. I am still called to be a servant even then. And that's hard. And that is, you know, it's not sometimes not fun. But it is the reality of, of my life as a minister and my life as a Christian. There is a hesitancy um, to, to become a servant. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely is. Mm-hmm. Everything's so self-centered. Yes. Self-serving. Mm-hmm. Self, I mean, get what you can get and right. don't worry about anyone else. Yep. Look out for number one and, you know, everyone else can take a back seat to, you know, my, my, my ideas and my way being the best way and my, you know, whatever. The example that Jesus set is still looming over us. Right. You know, and like I said Sunday, I really appreciate how Jesus made the role of servant something functional. And a servant is someone that knows what they want to do with their life. A servant wants to give of themselves in any way that they can. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just think that that is so countercultural um, and just, you know, and not just like American culture. I just think I think it just works so against our human nature, because we just have such an innate desire to survive and to thrive, even up and against someone else not, you know. But yet we are called to be servants. We are called to give of ourselves, to give of our protection, to give of our safety, you know. Not be unsafe, but you know there is comfort zone that we have that. We are called to ought to over and over get out of, mm-hmm. you know. And I think too about the church in general. We just want to stay in our building, and I know we've talked about this a lot before. Mm-hmm. But once again, we're not called to be in here. Yes, we're called to be out and serving others. Yep, to bring them in here. Right, you know. Yep, to welcome them to this family, and we're not good at that. Mm-hmm. because yeah i mean it's it's our culture to just worry about number one especially when, you know and for the majority of people in the united states we don't have to worry about or for a lot of people in the united states we don't have to worry about like where our food's going to come from where mm-hmm. our you know and we have the means to serve others yep you know and it's different in you know places that are less fortunate than we are, mm-hmm. where they really do kind of have to worry about Absolutely. the next meal and that yeah. kind of thing. Yep. But you almost wonder if they're, people in those cultures are more willing to be serve servants because yes. they are closer to it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. They, they know what it's like to have nothing and want nothing more than for that to just not happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. I'm so fascinated by what Jesus did. It's so yeah. powerful what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think of the times that Jesus sacrificed his own personal safety. Like, in that day, what we call now Hansen's disease, leprosy, was such a serious thing that if people were, I mean, 
if people were afflicted, they had to call out and cry out so that people didn't get too close. And Jesus says, I don't care. I'm going to touch you. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, he's the literal son of God. And we knew that he was going to heal them when he touched. Well, yes, with the benefit of hindsight and 2,000 years of theological study, we knew that Jesus was going to heal them with his touch. But there still had to be that human part of Jesus saying, what in the world am I doing? This is an unclean person. This mm -hmm. is a very serious disease. And why am I touching him? But I think that that, I mean, again, Jesus still had to do it. Right. Just had to. Like, there was no other course of action for him but to reach out and touch mm -hmm. the untouchable. You know, and like just, he was a rabbi. He would have been for a while respected by his peers but he gave it up. He gave that up to hang out with people that had no status, right? That were deemed un, you know, unreachable or unlovable or whatever else. You know, they were just so far damaged and too far broken for the grace of God to be real for them. Mm -hmm. I think about too. I'm reading through John again right now. Nice. And I feel like at at the end of every chapter or sometime in every chapter it talks about jesus then sneaks into the crowd because they're ready to stone him yeah you know with you know with whatever he was teaching on yep. and they're always you know the pharisees and everyone else are always questioning him mm -hmm. and and then every time he says something they're ready to throw rocks at him yes how can you get up every single day knowing that someone is out there to kill you and you're going to confront them every single day of your life yes yep I'm sure there's people out there that don't like me and that's fine. Uh -huh. I don't think they want to kill me and I don't usually get to, you know, I, they're not throwing rocks at me. Right. Yeah. You for know, sure. for sure. But I mean, it says so often they're ready to throw rocks at him and he just keeps doing his thing. Mm -hmm. Even like for Jesus, especially in John's gospel, for Jesus, the final straw for the scribes and the Pharisees was when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Mm -hmm. And like that's halfway through the gospel. You know, right. like there is a bunch of other stuff that happens afterwards. None is so stark and public and clearly God-inspired as the raising of Lazarus. But yet he's, and even that, like he knew that was going to tick people off. Mm -hmm. Still did it. Right. You know, Lazarus was raised from the dead. He was not short dead. He was long dead, like in the tomb for days. Oh, and, yeah, it was starting to smell. Yes, yes. Yep, and so Jesus has them roll the stone away and then offers this really long prayer so everyone had to stay, stand there and stay in the <laughs> death stink and then raises Lazarus from the dead. Like, that was the last straw. The, the scribes and the Pharisees knew they had to do some, something about Jesus now. Well, because isn't it in John where they say something to the effect of, we can't let anyone else know about this? Yes. Doesn't that tell you right there that how true this really is? Mm-hmm. And try as they may to stifle it. It was just unavoidable. Triumphal entry that we're going to talk about on Sunday. Like, Jesus' disciples are making this scene and screaming out and crying out. And the scribes and the Pharisees are like, tell them to stop. And Jesus is like, no. And even if I did, the, the stones would cry out. You know, like, there is no way that this is not going to be heard. Mm -hmm. There's no way that this is not going to get out. There is no way to stop it. 
the message of the gospel means that much and the ministry of Jesus means that much. And then again, even in the triumphal entry when he's on a donkey, mm -hmm. just to show that he's not, he is better than the rest of us, but he's not better than the rest of us. Right. You know, yes. he, he can, he came to serve us. Yes. Yep. He arrives on the animal of peace, not mm -hmm. the animal of war. Yep. Big theme in the triumphal entry stories. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, that's next week. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um, this is a challenge um, in, in preaching is what to do with Palm Sunday. Mm -hmm. Because, unfortunately, by and large, most people come to Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. They're not necessarily going to come to a Monday Thursday or a Good Friday service. And so they go right from the Hosanna to the Son of David to the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole lot of stuff that happens in between those things. What we're going to be doing on Sunday is a Palm slash Passion Sunday, where we are going to start big and triumphant and, you know, palms and wavings and, those, and the things. But as we get through the service, we are going to be talking about the question of suffering. Why is it that we go through hard times? Why is it that we go through suffering? Why is it that Jesus would allow himself to go through this suffering? Why did this happen? And so we're we'll looking at the story, not of the crucifixion, we're we'll looking at the story just before there, where the soldiers mock Jesus, where they strip him, beat him, dress him up as a king, and fake worship him. And one of the commentaries I read today pointed out that in their worship, in their fake worship of Jesus, they don't know that he is the one that at, at whose name every knee will bow and tongue confess, that they will worship in truth someday, be it they're mocking Jesus in this moment. Why does Jesus do this? Why does this happen in our own lives, and what can we learn from it? That'll be where we go on Sunday. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for joining us in this week's Cut for Time podcast. Join us again uh, on Sunday at 10 a.m. here in the church or again on the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.